Hello, everybody. Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by Tom Timmerman. And Hello. briefly, Jim Thomas, who has to take a brief time out from his chat here in the uh, STL Today Post-Dispatch newsroom. And while we have JT and we have Tom, let's uh, quickly break down, not a uh, turnaround game, JT, but certainly a step in the right direction for the Blues, beating a, a good Colorado team and kind of resetting, getting their bearings back. Yeah, and Craig Berube quick to say, hey, this isn't some turning point of the season or whatever. It's just one game, and and he's right. They could just uh, come just as easily come in Thursday and, and, and get slapped around by the <laughs> L.A. Kings. That's just how the league works. But it looked like Blues hockey, and everybody said that. It's, it's, it was kind of the identity. You wrote about it in the Post-Dispatch and on stltoday.com. Uh, they, they know what it, – this isn't like last year at this time. They know what their identity is. They know what the picture looks like, and th- that was more like it, except for the you know twenty-seven penalties they had. But, <laughs> but other than that, yeah, that was that's what Blues hockey is supposed to look like. But minus the penalties, Tom Timmerman. That would be a definite thing. The uh, the numbers are high right now on the on the penalty front, and uh, uh, you could probably take issue with one or two from the other night. But they're calling them, and they're they're there. So that's that would be something. Though the penalty kill has uh, has done well. The only goal they gave up was on a 5 on 3. But that was the kind of game that's ideal. We even saw it last year. The Blues would play a good opponent and they would like wake up and say we got to focus and do things. And then someone else would come into town like the LA Kings and they would be like, "Oh well, all right, here. Let's let's yeah. play end to end wide open uh hockey and uh, go racing up and down the ice and they would forget what they needed to do." Yeah, just tell uh, Mike O about the LA Kings and uh well, yeah, that was in November. This is still mm-hmm. October, but yeah. Yeah. 2 to nothing. 2 to nothing. Kings, who were the worst team in the yeah, league. They now were, they're, yeah. they're not the worst team in the league now, but they're definitely, I think we most of us would say, Jeff, you have a uh, very good grasp of the entire league. They're definitely bottom 10 if you were doing Yeah, I mean, they've started better. Jonathan Quick's had a couple of good games. Uh, Andre Kopitar's better this year versus his start last year, but they're still a long way away. They've mm-hmm. just, they're just looking down the barrel of a long rebuild, the, the LA Kings, mm-hmm. and it's going to take some time. But um, as far as the Colorado game went, that's a team that likes to play with speed, and the Blues got caught skating with the Canadians, and they definitely got into their game against Colorado and just sort of short-circuited a lot of what uh, the breakouts of the speed that Colorado likes to play with. Yeah, and and I thought it was their best four-checking game. So many guys were pesky. I thought Ivan Barbashev was particularly uh, effective. Uh, uh, Jaden Schwartz, or Jason, as, as some in the, in the White House would uh, – <laughs> Would call him. I mean, he he when he's at his best, he's playing with I I believe uh, what uh, what you you have called in the past his hair on fire, and and he does that. But even Tarasenko was into it, and you know they they had that players only meeting Sunday. A lot some fans thought, boy, this is awful early for that, but they, they didn't like what they were seeing, and and they didn't want a four game winless streak to become a you know something more than that, and so. Uh, the players have, uh, as, as Petrangelo said, they have high expectations for themselves. And they said, no, enough is enough. Let's go out and play our game. And it, so they had a course correction. But again, re- referencing back to your column, it's not like they have to do anything radical. They, they, they know what it's supposed to look like. And, and again, that, 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 that's, that, that, that's what it was supposed to look like, what we saw against Colorado. One thing they did, moved Alexander Steen up again and trying to uh, – you know, create a, that good matchup line. And Ryan O'Reilly's frustrated and wants to get his offense going, of course. He had the, the one big offensive game this year and trying to get that back. But, boy, those are the sorts of assignments that uh, they kind of bring out the best. I mean, if you're going up against a guy like Nathan McKinnon, if you get some match, any shifts you have against him, that's uh, certainly going to get your attention. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, Alexander Steen, you know, who falls into some gray area with the fan base as to uh, whether you uh, love him or hate him or uh, you know, wonder what his position is. But here's a guy who started on the fourth line, then the third line, and now he's on the second line. So uh, if anything happens to uh, Shen or uh, Schwartz or Tarasenko, he's, he's, he's the next guy up maybe. He just, you like to see a young kid making progress like that in his game, and we're seeing that with uh, Alexander Steen apparently. <laughs> he's their accordion player. He, he can mm. go up and down the lineup. I think mm. for all the talk about everybody back in the depth, I they're, they look like they're they're just one player short in terms of getting these lines straightened out. I think ideally you would like Steen on the fourth line with those guys. And although McEachern, uh, that was one heck of a hit. Uh, you looked at me in the press box and said that that was like, what maybe two Baruby points. Yeah, for that he's hit? very very happy with that uh, straight line. Good uh, dumps a guy. You know you could argue well they knew a penalty was coming. Maybe you shouldn't hit the guy there, but. Yeah, he, he claimed did. he told us he he did not hear the ah, whistle, you but, know. but yeah. you never know. But anyway, the, in terms of not being like a player short, okay, Thomas is back, and and I like the look of that third line with him and and Blay and uh, and Bozak. Good, you have the potential for really good uh, uh, possession time and, and some good skill on on the wings and those guys. But you know, Sanford hasn't really clicked yet and Fabry I don't know I, I thought he was playing okay yeah. maybe a little better than mm-hmm. okay but now he's he's out of the lineup and they just they just need that one more player to click to to, to, to get everything kind of going yeah it seems it looks like Sammy Blay Ruby wouldn't commit to it but it certainly looked from us watching practice that Sammy Blay's not playing Thursday night against Los Angeles he has his left thumb <laughs> heavily taped he did not take part in many much of practice of the drills. Zach Sanford is in that spot. And the fact that they look look at Sanford again in that spot rather than Fabry in that spot. Yeah, I thought that was telling. Yeah. And, and maybe it's maybe they think Sanford will play a heavier game because the Kings are more of a heavier team. Not mm-hmm. Although that's something that Baruby said he's wanted to see out of Sanford to yeah. to, to, to mix it up uh, a little bit more. But yeah, uh, Blay took, uh, to, to borrow the Robert Thomas term, it was a little more than a courtesy. It was more than a courtesy <laughs> slash that he took. And, and it looks like his, uh, it certainly looks like he's not going to play Thursday. He had that mm-hmm. thumb wrapped. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, part of the practice, it was he was almost playing one-handed. Yeah. All right, so Mike Smith's going to get mad if our, our online sports editor, if we don't let JT get back to his chat. But before you go, JT, uh, what's the big uh, question of the day in your live chat here on stltoday.com? Well, it's so far, they've been kind of all over the map. They've asked about, is, is uh, do you think Bennington's playing as well as he did uh, – uh, last year, they they like the McEachern hit. Some early good mm-hmm. votes on the yeah, McEachern yeah. hit, and he mm-hmm. needs to be out there. And and also uh, good feedback. Uh, uh, we we got into some of uh, Craig Berube's uh, musical <laughs> tastes, and someone said, "Hey, Stanley Cup champion and Bob Dylan fan, sign sign this guy to a lifetime contract." So. Uh, but maybe uh, maybe Tom T can fill you in a little bit more on the, right. on his musical taste. But right. uh, we'll, we'll see you guys later. All right, Thanks, JT. Jim. See ya. Yeah, about uh, of course. Uh, the uh, ageless Bob Dylan mm-hmm. appearing uh, next door mm-hmm. was uh, the chief uh, got the front score of the front row tickets with inside the, the chief scored tickets. I, I'm not sure that he was in the front row, but he was there. <laughs> and we asked if he, since he's now the coach of the Stanley cup champions, if he had a chance to go backstage and, mm-hmm. and maybe uh, meet Bob Dylan, who apparently he has seen many, you know, multiple times. This wasn't like the first time he said, you know, the Almond brothers are probably the only performers he's seen more 
than Bob Dylan. But we asked, did he get a chance to go back? And he said, eh, I'm not into that. I didn't want to. I well, want to and here's that. the thing. Bob Dylan's not into that either. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, even the Stanley Cup uh, ring would not have probably impressed uh, Bob Dylan. who's uh, He didn't care about winning a, uh, a Nobel Prize, right? No, Bob was, uh, Bob was, the next time Bob actually says something at a concert to makes any sort of reference to the crowd might be the first. Now, he's a, I, a friend of mine's a big Bob Dylan fan, and he went down and saw him and, like, flew down to Tucson to see mm-hmm. this guy perform. And of course, he was at the concert as well, my friend Drew Johnson. Mm-hmm. And But Bob's not known for the chit-chat with mm-hmm. uh, fans or anybody else. <laughs> Bandmates, <laughs> other artists. Like I said, the uh, Nobel Peace Prize uh, selection committee, whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, the chief, the, see, that's interesting about, I wouldn't have picked uh, the chief for uh, for Dylan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a big Dylan fan, but, you know, he's a, more of a rough and tumble guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know where that, uh, that's interesting. When, when asked, you know, who he thinks is the, the greatest Canadian band, he just, you know, the band. The, oh, sure. Or, yeah. Well, absolutely. If you go back to the uh, the live album Before the Flood, mm-hmm. that was uh, Dylan and the, the band together. And, of course, mm-hmm. the, the band did several of their classics mm-hmm. uh, live without Bob's help, at least not his vocals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, then they backed, backed Bob and all of his big hits. And that's a tremendous mm-hmm. uh, double set, by the way, if you're into either band. Either Bob or the the band, I sh- I'm sure you have that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the you know, interesting that the the chief would like the band. Of course, they uh, weirdly southern rock type of a vibe, even though they're not from mm-hmm. you know Alabama. Mm-hmm. So we, we learn more about the chief all the time. <laughs> a very rare window into the uh, the life and times of uh, of Craig Bruby, who who, say, who acknowledged that at times. You know, in the coaches' room, they, they have music on because they just don't want to listen to each other talk. So they uh, no Bachman Turner overdrive for for the chief. You know what? I think I think they I don't think they may have been mentioned in the in the as the right. conversation uh, grew on as the uh, as well. It, good. <laughs> so how many years will it take us to really get the full uh, Barube picture? This is good though. We're making some headway here. I I don't think there's going to be enough years in uh, in his or any coach's contract to fully get to know uh, the uh, the tight lift. Uh, Craig Berube, who's also starring now in a fine TV commercial. Uh, yeah, he, he, he needs to loosen up a bit for that, but I'm not going to, you know, I mean, I would just, my only advice, you know, having done a little bit of video, not so much commercials, but he's just got to relax a little bit, mm-hmm. but he's fine. I'm certainly not going to tell the chief he needs to loosen up. Yeah. He's not face to face. Yeah, it be looks like he's about to take a swing at, uh, at someone. He may have been tired of the whole thing at that <laughs> point. So, well, the, you know, the interesting thing about the chief, what really struck me about him when things weren't going well is, you know, he's firm, but he's very, uh, you know, he's very composed. He's, his personality is that way. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking back earlier when I was watching the, uh, when the Dallas Stars got off to a, uh, a poor start. Uh, Jim Montgomery's a very good coach, former Blue, mm-hmm. but he's, he can seem, uh, you know, edgy. Mm-hmm. Like he can seem like he's uh, he, his frustration become can become visible. Mm-hmm. And I think what and I think that's that doesn't help the team, especially mm-hmm. you know he just seems to jumpy, edgy. And of course, he's changing things constantly. Mm-hmm. Where Craig's demeanor is just, uh, I, th- I think that the players have to feed off of that. You know, certainly, a, from what we see, I mean, he's certainly a man of few words, and but he'll say, you know, not playing well. We gotta, we gotta do this better, and and there will be, there's no embellishment on it, and it is a straight shooter. And he, you know, when guys aren't doing well, he does not hesitate to say they're not doing well. Um, so yeah, he, he it's a it's a serious, focused look. I, he, but the players, you know, say, you know, 
when you get him off camera and in you know team coach situations, he's just great to be around. And, and but he is not going to sugarcoat anything with right. anybody on saying you got to get better on this. And and that's I think one of the one of the skills he brings to this project. And it's a it's a, a very simple and consistent approach. The other thing that he does, and and again besides exuding the fact that oh well you know the strength and the calm and the vision which is a good public face because again Montgomery just looks edgy after a mm-hmm. loss he just looks like uh, I don't know what but <laughs> almost Mike Yo like you mm-hmm. know it's like it's kind of scr- like he's scrambling yeah but the the time that uh, that Craig will spend um you know just watching him and as the guys are getting loose in practice going up to this guy that guy a few words here a few words there mm-hmm. and that's pretty much that happens all day yeah when he's around the players and you see that the visual uh, at least when they're out there to start a skate. He's just, just constantly in touch with his guys. Yeah, after Sunday's practice, he had uh, a lengthy, uh, lengthy, which was probably four or five minutes, talking with the top line with Schwartz, Shen, and Tarasenko, and they just all gathered, and they were, and they were just talking. And uh, that happens all the time. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, as reporters, we're like, who is he talking to? What, what is the – and you kind of make sure he's talking, he's talking to McKecker, and he's talking here, and you see who he's trying to infer, what's going on. And, and some of it is just – I think he's just talking, and he's talking about the game, but he's also, I think, talking about just being a guy. Well, you've got to always know your the temperature of the, mm-hmm. of the room and each individual guy, where they're at, how they're feeling, mm-hmm. because once this thing gets going – uh, guys are playing with this problem or that problem, or they've got this issue or, or that issue, and they're either mm-hmm. they're hot or they're cold, they're they're banged mm-hmm. up or they're kind of healthy, they're they're feeling good, they're not as much, they've had a couple of bad games in a row, or they're, mm-hmm. or they're just they're, everything's going their way. I mean, it's just and it's months long, mm-hmm. and you, if you're connected with the group and your co- your staffs are connected, and I mean, it just. It, it's just it's it's a it's so valuable to get there. Now, of course, it's easier once your team's established and it has the temperament mm-hmm. and has the you know the, the cultures in place. That's great. That's a great place to be. It takes a long time to get there, as he proved last year. Mm-hmm. It took Craig a long time to get him there. But so now it's maintenance, mm-hmm. and with players, mm-hmm. it's, it's physical as well as uh, psychological. It is, and you know that's probably the biggest obstacle or hurdle this team has to get over early on is going to be is more mental than physical i mean i you know yes it was a short summer but i I think if if they're tired i think you're going to see that in in the second half of the year rather than the first they're reasonably fresh right now now when they get to the point where they played 165 games over you know the course of less than a year then they're going to start really being you know sucking wind but yeah, it's uh, that's been keeping these guys motivated. And you know, last year, the way last year went, they played that you know the last half of the year with you know just any loss was going to be fatal to them, and so they could be hyper focused on every game. And now he's got to keep that hyper focus from the start and to play a style of game where you're forechecking and throwing bodies around that it's over an 82 game regular season that's going to hurt. That's not going. Yeah. That's a, not an easy style to play. And last year they played it over, you know, fifty games in the regular season before they got to the playoffs. But doing that from day one and grinding as much as they are, that's it's going to take a toll on these guys. Yeah, it's one thing to know who you are, which they do know, mm-hmm. and then you can say, okay, well, you just go go back to that. Well, they know what it takes to go back to that, which is also helpful. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it's not easy. No, you know, and no. If, and if you're either down or you're banged up, you're tired, or 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 at the moment you're just like you're not digging as deep for whatever reason. 
Mm-hmm. Well, now you're just a half step slow, and a half step is everything the way yeah. this game is now. If you're almost there, then you're not there at all. You might as well be in the stands. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if, if there were no parameters at all, guys would love to play like Colorado or Tampa and fly up and down and, yeah, not have to go down there and slam guys into boards to get the puck back and just be racing around. That'd be that'd be great fun. But, one, these aren't guys who can do that. Two, that's not the way they want to play. It's not the way to maximize this talent. They don't have you know, a line like Colorado's line that uh, you know, they can go out there and do that or what Tampa has. So they've got to they've got to play this way to win, and they just have to um, over the course of the year they're going to have to you know suck it up and say we got to do this, and it's going to it's going to be uncomfortable, but we're going to make life uncomfortable for the other team, and we got to do it from day one. Now let's talk about some of the positives first. The uh, the first line is playing quite well. Both uh, it's being productive, and mm-hmm. certainly this last game there it was engaged as well. We saw you know number ninety one throwing some body checks and mm-hmm. was fully engaged in the game. But you know he, he's off to a solid start. Uh, Ten points. Shen last year it took him till uh, well into November to get six goals, I believe. And he's, mm-hmm. so he's off to a good start offensively and, and skating well too. Yeah. Uh, and just notice, you're just really noticeable that group, you know, Schwartz is missing some chances here and there, but he's, he's a good all around player. So right off top, you'd have to say that the top line is that, that piece is settled. They're, they're doing what they want to do. And after their discussion with the chief, mm-hmm. certainly a very well-rounded game against Colorado. They did. Um, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's like it's, it's 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 like the hockey freaky Friday that Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly have now reversed. Last year at the start of the season, Ryan O'Reilly was the only guy that could do anything, and Braden Shen, he said, was not. And now this year, it's Shen who's doing it, and O'Reilly who's got one empty net goal uh, so far. But yeah, that that you know the line has done well. Tarasenko led the team in hits. Uh, the other night. I don't know how many games in his Blues career he has led the team in hits, but he had four. Uh, that night and um, you know that that stands out that's one of those things that the rest of the team sees and appreciates and you know responds to he had a heck of a, uh, a block sh- a shot block the pre- I think it was a previous game that put himself in some peril which he's done more of so mm-hmm. so 91's doing a good job but as we talked about earlier with Jim Thomas you know like I say maybe a player short as you try to set the other groups the pairings, uh, you know, Robert mm-hmm. Thomas still trying to get his game back and uh, back in and, and working in conjunction uh, on the third line. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly David Perron is playing well. Mm-hmm. And you look at him playing with uh, with Ryan, who's a little frustrated offensively. But Perron is just skating. He's tenacious, you know, real nice uh, power play, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, asset. Uh, a nice uh, one-time conversion. Yeah. the uh, He so- takes shots that a lot of guys on this team won't take. So, yeah, know, which is good. Like, yeah. you know, he's a, he's a shooter and, uh, you know, do what you do. So, mm-hmm. you know, Piranha Plus, I think O'Reilly's overall game is still there. He's still trying to find the other piece there right now. Alexander Steen's getting a, a chance to move up and down the lineup. We, we talk about, you know, Bozak kind of gets lost in the shuffle if, if the line's not working because the four lines been, the number four line's been really good. The first two lines are, have mm-hmm. generally been good. Uh, he's trying to find his way as is Thomas trying to get himself going. And he, well, he had some. He's getting chances, starting to get some looks now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's getting, I think, anxious to uh, to have that two- or three-point game, Robert Thomas. I think on a per capita basis, Robert Thomas has probably missed more scoring opportunities over his time here than anybody on the team. There's so many times you see Robert Thomas get a puck in a great position and 
whether it rolls on him or somebody sticks out a thing, something happens. Mm-hmm. And and just once he is able to get that last step where he gets those chances and can consistently finish them, then it, you know he'll have he'll be doing great. But right now it's just it's just you know you talk about being one player away from having everything set. Robert Thomas is one something away, and he does everything right, everything well up until that very last step. Uh, now the puck goes in the net, and that's where things things seem to go amiss for him. But yeah. you see the you yeah. see him skate the puck up ice and go through right. you know four guys and go around the net and then make something happen and then just at the very end. Yeah, you know the instincts are there. He knows where to go. He knows what to do. You know he's got a feel for the game. He, can, he knows how to get to the right place. He knows how to create space for himself. He knows how to hold the puck and and, and develop opportunities for other people. All every element's there. And he's just, for I guess we go to the confidence thing. Once you're confident, you're going to get some breaks. You're just going to, you're not going to hesitate. You're always just going to be doing something quickly, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if you're not getting the results, and now the frustration builds, instead of being confident, you're you're going to start pressing, and then that's when that one thing's always seem to going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're aiming, you're hesitating, you're trying to be too fine, you're overthinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that game, things are so fast. You have no that any of that ha- any of that happens, and that's trouble. Yeah, he's twenty years old. He's got you know time time for this to happen. And and the other parts of his game that he brings are great attributes. He does a lot of things. Just if he can get over that last hurdle, he'll be a really exemplary talent for this team. Okay, of course. On the on the okay, moving on to the defensive end here. Um, it's been tougher. You know, we've talked about how I, I like having Gunnarsson available when he's healthy and then your three right, the three left, balance up your minutes. Life is good. When you don't have that, uh, then you have Robert Bortuzzo, who's a fearless shot blocker, but is going to mm-hmm. get his somewhat limited five-on-five um, five time mm-hmm. and no no PP time. Mm-hmm. The uh, But I guess I guess if you had a concern would be early on, Jay Bomeister last year he ends the uh, season – uh, the last chunk of the season, the playoffs, shutdown pair with Pareko, logging giant minutes, doing a heck of a job under the toughest circumstances. So far this year, that combination wasn't as good, and he uh, finds himself in some more third-pairing settings at even strength in addition to the penalty kill he does. Um, he's 36 years old, I think, if not older. Uh, mm-hmm. Any concerns? Is a t- Should we be concerned about uh, Jay Bomeister if we're uh, we're – Looking at pluses and minuses of the team right now, or is it uh, too early to, to push the button? Well, it's 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 early to push the button. I, I think you, I, I think Bomeister just because he's because of his age. I mean, it just if things are going to happen. I mean, he's still probably in the best shape of almost anyone on the team. But um, you just you know the the collective you know however many years of hockey he's played uh, is going to take is going to take a toll. But they don't seem to be, you know, his minutes are up there with with anybody's. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're not holding back. They're not, you know, butter, you know, no pussyfooting around what they're doing with Jay Bomeister. He's going to kill a lot of penalties, which is yeah. going to put him in a lot of high stress situations. Yeah, he's he's taking shots. He's uh, I don't want to say he's getting more involved offensively, but every now and then it's like well, you know, that was Jay Bomeister leading, carrying, bringing the puck up ice, yeah. and uh, uh, he's not afraid to do that. But, it, but that's just, you know, of everyone, since he's the oldest guy of that bunch, you know, you just, you know, it's going to be a fine line uh, on him. And, and, you know, there were, certainly last year, you know, he didn't play well to start. It was 
we want to think that it was because of the injury that he didn't mm-hmm. play well. But again, he's you know he's one of the older older guys around. He's played a lot of games, so it's going to be something to watch. Certainly, generally, I would say the defensive core you'd have to be pleased with the the group if you're yeah. Craig Berube. I mean, you've gotten. Uh, Relatively, other than having uh, the Gunnarsson uh, not shocking that he's <laughs> had to miss a little bit of time here. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Falk's going to make some plays here and there where you say, okay, he needs to still get integrated with the group or maybe that was too much of a high-risk play. But the skill level and the physical side of his game, quite evident. And mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be able to log top four minutes for this team uh, going forward, which is the whole idea of bringing him in and, yeah. and giving him a big contract. Clearly, this guy is – it's what four points, nine games, but we're going to see more on the offensive side, and we're going to see a pretty solid player. You know, he'll shoot the puck, which is uh, <laughs> something uh, uh, the defense. You know, though the Blues have a fair amount of offensive defensemen, if you're the guys that don't aren't afraid uh, to shoot. But uh, I think Falk brings just there's something a little different. You know, his game isn't Pareko's game, or isn't. Uh, Vince Dunn's game. He, he, he approaches it, uh, I think, slightly differently, which brings a new dimension to the team. And speaking of Dunn, some of the moves, the whole, they all talk now on, uh, on the, uh, the NHL radio about edge work. It's a big thing, you know, because he can actually turn on a dime and mm-hmm. generate speed quickly off of that turn. And it's been a couple of times against the Avalanche, which is a highly skilled team. Mm-hmm. You're seeing him make a highly skilled move where he will get a puck and then turn that play himself mm-hmm. just like that and go the other way. That guy and his skill set, you know, he's learning everything. He's trying to, you know, cut down the risk element to, mm-hmm. and, and build up the reward element. But there are times out there when he does stuff and can, and that's when the game is at, a high, at an elevated skill level. Pretty darn impressive. I mean, this is a guy, I think I see a different type player than Falk, maybe more like a Shattenkirk and a shiftiness and so forth. Mm-hmm. But he could really be, this guy could be a 50-point defenseman year after year. I mean, those yeah. tools are there. Yeah, some of that will depend on does he, what pairing can he be on to how much ice time he mm-hmm. can get. And being on the power play is certainly going to uh, help his, his point potential. But yeah, can he be a first or second pairing guy that you can put out there and to get the to become a, a twenty plus minute guy rather than being the fifth guy in, the, in ice time among defensemen. He just says, give me the uh, 73% offensive zone starts. Yeah. <laughs> and I will I will absolutely get you some points here. So, uh, No, but he does. I mean, he's a lot like, like Shattenkirk in that sense that you had to shelter Kevin, even though Kevin didn't want to internalize that. You did have <laughs> to shelter him. But, boy, there are times out there and when he can do something and, then, and just individually with the puck uh, to be able to beat a guy, to get it and, and beat a guy and then create an opportunity that's mm. pretty unique. So mm. now can you keep him as we all worry about, you know, in our line of work, the mm. budgeting going forward? Yeah. He's going to get a big raise. And yeah. Is, and he's, he probably won't get it all at once. He can't get it all at once yeah, in this team. It, yeah. There's no way. Yeah, because he's, he's, not, he's not an unrestricted free agent. Right. He's a restricted. And so, yeah, they'll have to work out something, whether it's a two-year deal or something, uh, so that he gets the pay payoff later on. Yeah, he can't get – 
he's, he's almost kind of in a Joel Edmondson situation where Edmondson looked like he was going to be in line for a bigger raise and, and, and ended up not getting it ultimately because of a number of factors. But, yeah, Dunn, Dunn's going to get it, but it's going to it may take Yeah, it. and here's a guy, I tell you what, if you don't protect him in the expansion draft in a couple of years, mm-hmm. oh, man, that's the kind of guy a, a team would want. And mm-hmm. that's a great question. Who do you protect in a couple of years? Because you're yeah. going to have many good choices. Yeah, with the contracts the the Blues have, they got to, you know, you know Oscar Sundquist. You know, just may as much as they like him, he's he's they just may not have the numbers to right. be able to keep him. Got him to a four year deal, but you know they just don't with the combinations of what you have to say. They can't. They probably can't protect him. It's gonna be that'll be a, a worry for down the road. Okay, last thing for this edition of Netfront Presence as we. Look forward to our heroes facing the, uh, the Los Angeles Kings who are coming mm-hmm. in. Uh, Jonathan Quick, a couple of really good games in goal back-to-back after just three god-awful games to start the season mm-hmm. when he's out there trying to flop around yeah. and be the athletic guy, and he's 33 years old. So they're trying to get him to be the more of a, a stand-up guy and more <laughs> compact with his, his movements. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Bennington's more of an athletic goaltender than a, uh, than a uh, stationary fill-the-net guy. He's not mm-hmm. that big. He is very athletic, and he's mm-hmm. uh, can can end up lunging around by like Jonathan Quick, not as dramatically as Quick yeah. did in his heyday, but certainly a, that type of goaltender. <laughs> and your your thoughts on and we we'll see what Quick brings, whether what what shape he's in at this point when they come in with the the Kings. But in terms of what you see from Bennington, I thought real solid start when he needed to be solid against Colorado. Uh, the team bouncing back from the tough game that Jake Allen had, which was a catastrophe, <laughs> and. Um, you know, just sort of to be a nice, reassuring performance for for Jordan Bennington in goal. You know, Bennington makes uh, going to Jake Allen. You know, the, Bennington makes the saves that need to be made, and then makes a couple extra ones on top right. of it. And Allen makes saves and makes some saves that are above and beyond. And then. You know, there's the, you know, like the swallows at Capistrano, there becomes the, the bad Jake Allen goal. Uh, and uh, the one he had in his last game, it just it turned that game around. So, yeah, but in Bennington, you see a, a consistency to it. And, and it's, you know, he's, his goals against, his numbers aren't spectacular, but they're, they're what this team needs. Right. And, and he makes the, makes the right saves at the right time. And there will be times in which, Boy, if this if a team scores there on you, it changes the complexion of the game, and he denies that goal. It, it seems to me, and he also doesn't. You know, going back to the uh, avoiding the accidents, I was the one play he made that you go, oh boy, you hope that works. And if Jake did it, something horrible would have happened. But <laughs> yeah. he gets the puck, and he says, okay, I've got some time here, so I'm gonna. I'm going to – on my backhand, I'm going to try to – it's going to take me a few seconds to do this, but I'm going to shovel this thing up high into the air, right down the middle, <laughs> middle of the of ice. Face. Yeah, that was uh, it. You know, with a backhand, sort of a shovel, and like you're throwing manure into the uh, mm-hmm. you know, into the barn. Mm-hmm. It, it just – and it worked. It's fine. He got the puck down the ice. But can you just imagine if Jake, at this point in his life, at a, <laughs> on, a, at a, on a home game, yeah. we're trying mm-hmm. to do something more elaborate with Because he's an aggressive puck handler, Jake mm-hmm. is, and he'll, he'll try things. But – yeah. And right now, probably not the time to do that. Yeah, if there's a risk, to, one of the risks to Biddington's game is he sometimes strays a little bit and maybe gets caught out of the net. Uh, we've seen that happen a few times to him, where it's like Jake or Jordan, get you need to get back in front of the goal. That's 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 where you need to be. Uh, it's right it's great to be confident. And another, the other thing, if I had to have one complaint, I think it's actually a, a couple of times. I think he's been. Uh, 
a little slow to get back to the other post on yeah. like wraparounds. Yeah. Because he commits again, like Quick would is insane in his heyday about overcommitting to a shooter. And when he would come out, he would just he know that Drew Doughty's got the other side because there's no way on earth he's going to have to catch a cab to get back to the goal. Mm-hmm. The way uh, he would play the first shot or the first move, uh, Quick would just come flying out at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have necessarily Drew Doughty on the back side of the post, so you need to. Uh, as good as the Blues are defensively, Jake sometimes can be a little slow to get to the backside, which he's got because, that, again, he's aggressive. He's confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be – we've seen that a couple times uh, this season on uh, on second chances or whatever at the, at the post after uh, initial saves made on the other side. Yeah, we've seen that. So bottom line from Tom Timmerman here on the net front presence, uh, Bennington, pretty good place. Uh, first line, Blues, real good shape. Still kind of looking for chemistry uh, elsewhere. Uh, defensively, a lot of good pieces, but still a little bit of a mix and match because of the Gunnarsson Bortuzzo tag. So on yeah. balance, the team sitting here maybe what about a B? B? Yeah, uh, uh, a mid-high B. You know, they're, where they're B, at? They're, they're B plus. Yeah, they certainly know that they have a, another. There's another level that they need to get to to make this team be a you know, really effective team. But if they can play like they did against Colorado, um, you know, consistently, that'll be what they need to do. It's what they did at the end of last season. Yeah, but, you know, other than uh, they had the game against Ottawa, but otherwise you're playing teams that were in the playoffs or mm-hmm. um, certainly would hope to be in the playoffs. Yeah. By and large in this, this first chunk of schedule. It's been a, a tough schedule, as you if, mm-hmm. if, if you could put it that way. Yeah, the teams they've played. And, we're going to end, you know, they played Dallas back before, you know, back when we thought Dallas was going to be good. And we still think Dallas could be a good team. They just, you know, haven't fully showed that yet. Speaking of really good teams, has, has Tom Timmerman decided tonight that he's going to set aside everything so that he can, uh, never mind the World Series or whatever, but uh, Ottawa and Detroit are playing tonight. Oh, Ottawa and Detroit. I'll uh, be you in need De- the NHL package for that one, but, yeah. you know. I'll, I'll be in Detroit on Sunday to see, uh, to uh, oh, take in the, uh, the Blues and the, and the Red Wings. So Yeah, yeah, Jeff Blashill. It's not going well so it, far. Yeah, it's one of those things. You know, they got back to backs. They've they've got the Bruins on Saturday and the Red Wings on Sunday, and and so since they're back to backs, Jake Allen gets one of those games. So uh, you know, you tell me which game Jordan Bennington gets and which game yeah, Jake Allen gets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can kind of see that coming. Uh, the other important question for Tom when you go to Detroit, do you uh, do you always get a Coney Island hot dog because they're kind of known for that. I don't know that I have have had one yeah, in my uh, kind of a thing there now. Many many trips over the years into Detroit. Now they had a couple that were close to the old Joe Lewis. I'm not sure it, it, with the new place. Yeah, this is my any... first time into Little Caesars. I've, yeah. I've, I've not been there, so you're going to miss climbing through the uh, crowd to get to the uh, what they called the press box. I will <laughs> the press row, as it were, yeah. in, the, back, in the back of the stands and back the, back row of the stands. Stands and then. What, what, not that not that the readers care, but then and then the one bathroom for however many people yeah. are up there. That uh, yeah, yeah. You're, if you're pounding coffee because you got to get your story <laughs> in to catch the the team bus, mm-hmm. and uh, now you've got to answer the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah, that's a. Uh, but it's an afternoon game on Sunday, so that makes things a little bit uh, easier. Less deadline pressure. There you Sunday. go. But back to Boston. Back to the scene of uh, the greatest moment in Blues hockey history. And you, uh, before we let you go, you had some fun with that topic. Uh, it was a very. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you saw the. Uh, as the team was preparing to win the cup, the guys scrambling to go to be ready for it. A very a fun story about you know their excitement and 
their rush to join the party you know, in and, Boston. And, and yeah, for the for the guys who were scratches for that game, and they they watched most of the game from the press box where they were very cramped. There were only seats for about six, and so everybody people were standing. And so, they, but to be on the ice celebration afterwards, they had to go downstairs and sitting in the dressing room, putting on their gear, not wanting to jinx things. The Blues fans are like, can't you know? The players are like, what am I? Putting on my stuff is this going to jinx things? Is it going to be a problem? And you know, Mackenzie McEachern said, you know, we didn't tie our skates until the last possible moment, so we did not, uh, you know, did not make anything go wrong. I think when uh, when Sanford scored, it was okay to go ahead and tie the skates. They were a little more confident, but then uh, even uh, Jordan Nolan was saying, you, you take a double minor, and then all of a sudden, anything, you know, they score two quick goals, and then who well, knows? Well, we could ask, uh, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights what could go wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one all it takes is a high stick that draws blood, and then who knows what, what happens from there. Or an alleged cross-check that yeah. ends up being. Yeah, it ends with a five-minute major, and then all of a sudden. Oh, uh, the memories. Well, that's been Tom Timmerman. I'm in Jeff Gordon, our executive assistant. I guess she's junior executive producer. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary Love is uh, waving at us frantically like we're running way over. So uh, until next time, I'm Jeff Gordon. That's Tom Timmerman. A reminder to check out all of our podcasts on stltoday.com slash podcast. And please do give our digital subscription a trial if you have not done that. Much better user experience. Until next time, for Tom, for Jim Thomas, I'm Jeff Gordon. See you.